Hello! How you folks doing? It is that time of year, my allergies are getting the best of me. You can probably hear it in my voice, I'd imagine. Well, today's episode is going to be a discussion about therapeutic recreation. I had Sydney on, who is a very passionate activity director for therapeutic recreation. So without any more hesitation, let's just get straight into the conversation. Sydney, thanks for coming in today. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Doing fantastic. Better that you're here. Gee, thanks. So, uh, do you know what this podcast is? Talking about things that you're passionate about. So why'd you want to come on the podcast today? I don't know. It seemed like something interesting to do, and I guess... The field I work in isn't kind isn't very well known, so I guess it's just one more way to be able to talk about it and why I think it's so great. So we're gonna so something you're passionate about is your work. Yeah. So I guess we'll start here. What is it that you are passionate about? So, like you just said, the field I work in. Um, so I work in the field of therapeutic recreation. I've actually been certified in it for see about four years now. So I had to get a four-year degree, go through an internship for a semester, and then sit for my certification test. So there's a whole process for that. And then, so yeah, so the field of therapeutic recreation, it kind of, a lot of the times people think that it falls in with like physical therapy, occupational therapy, and those types of things, which it does, but it's not the same thing. Like, you know, a lot of us know, you know, physical therapy, you hurt something, you break something, you lose the function of something, so you work to gain that back, you know. It's physically based, obviously. But then, you know, occupational therapy, from like, from what I've seen, is more like the life skills types of things, things to function in your daily life, things skills you need to function in your job to help keep you more independent whereas like the technical definition of therapeutic recreation is a systematic process that utilizes recreation other activity-based interventions to address the assessed needs of individuals with illnesses and or disabling conditions as a means to psychological and physical health recovery and well-being so really it's more Kind of you look at the holistic person, where it's not just the physical, it's not just your skills, but it's like, you know, your mental well-being, your emotional well-being. And so you use more fun things or things you're interested in to, like, work on the skills you need to work on versus, like, going into physical therapy after you hurt your shoulder and you got to do, like, that stupid big wheel on the <laughs> wall and work on your range or whatever or strength exercises like so you get it it's more fun and unfortunately it's like a smaller field and not as recognized in the medical profession it's a lot younger and so a lot of times like people in my field you know will struggle with getting like insurance to support it or to pay for it or things like that because they'll look at it and be like, say, some 
old lady fell, broke her hand and her hip and her shoulder or something. And so we'll look at that and be like, oh, she really likes gardening. So we'll try to find like an intervention where, you know, we'll work at it. We can do this and this to work on your hand functioning, like working the fine motor with the tools and the seeds and stuff. Whereas you might look at, we'll work at this level, like a raised garden bed, and then down at this level of a garden bed where you might be bending and things, working different angles, reaching for things. And, you know, maybe you have to sit in a chair so then it works on the, you know, the safe transfer after you've had the surgery and learning how to manipulate that and get around your environment. And it's really cool because with therapeutic recreation, you can work with, like, any population you know we can be in schools with kids you know you'd be maybe working on physical things behavioral support emotional support social support you can work at a camp setting you can work at you know some public recreation like ymca parks and rec you can work at a hospital you can work at a nursing home a day program really anywhere and you can work with any population whether it's you know, emotional disabilities, physical disabilities, um, developmental, you work in geriatrics, work with TBI, you can work with, you know, some people get jobs in like cancer units or recovering from surgery or basic stroke units, anything like that. So it's a lot more like diversified and can fit, I think, in a lot more places. So it's physical and mental therapy all wrapped into one social emotional physical spiritual everything everything so like your holistic health we don't just look at one aspect of it so the people that you see on a daily basis they have disabilities of some kind mm. where i work and where i have worked yeah because that's the like population i guess that i enjoy working with so they have physical, physical and, or, and or like developmental all right. disabilities or conditions. So, thera- so therapeutic recreation is available to those who don't have disabilities. It's just you don't work with that population. Yeah, my job, I don't work with that specifically. So where specific, so if I want therapeutic Recreate like if I want recreational therapy, where do I go? I guess it would depend what you needed it for. What if like, I what if I just want it? You have to have a reason for wanting my, therapy. My shoulder hurts. So then you'd probably start like if you went in for your shoulder, you might get referred to like PT or something. But then depending on what it was or like what skills you were having to use, if you were probably, you wouldn't get referred directly to recreational therapy. But if you had like a certain situation, say you just came out of surgery or something for your shoulder, they might have the physical therapist come in, you know, assess and do all, you know, learn all the things you need to work on. But then, you know, if you were having a hard time with, you know, it's hard getting your shirt on and, like, relearning to dress yourself or something. OT would do that. Physical or a therapeutic recreation would come in probably, like, somewhere in between. 
and kind of look at your interests, look at what you need to work at, and kind of say you like basketball and, you, you know, you had this injury. They'd probably, you know, work on things with you, like safe ways to get back into it, and they would do, like, those types of activities with you. Like, you might go to the gym and do different shooting activities, passing, throwing, things like that. So as, like, I don't want to refer to myself as a patient in this hypothetical situation, but as a patient, like, let's say I hurt any body part, my knee, ankle, whatever, and I go to my general physician and and mention the pain, complain about it, if I don't know recreational therapy is a thing, that's never going to get recommended to me. So let's say, right? Am I right in that? Probably not. Like, a lot of hospitals still don't even have it in like the services they offer so let's say i do know what recreational therapy is and i go to my general physician they, pro- they probably look at you really confused and i and they and they and they give me their what their options are for my shoulder or knee or whatever and i'm like well what about recreational therapy they would they would disagree. They would say no. We gotta get you in here. We're gonna cut you up, or we're gonna have you do some physical therapy. But let's. If I disagree with that, if I want to do recreational therapy, how do I go about that? How do where do I go? Who do I talk to? You'd probably just have to like look up either like therapeutic recreation services in your area or your state. You could look up programs at a school. I mean, a school, if you, like, say, you know, I think UW-Madison has it or something. Where I went to school, obviously, University of Iowa has the program. Brian Balaga, Iowa. Yeah, that that Iowa. Um, A lot of the times they do, like, you know, like, case studies or something for their students in the program, you know. You might be able to get some services there. A lot, like, the situation you're describing, though, I don't really know how involved therapeutic recreation would be with that. Well, I'm, it was just a hypothetical situation. Yeah. So, like, I'm not talk, talking about me specifically. I was just, in general, saying me as an example. But let's say, let's invent a person, and it's a person that wants the easy way out for things. I could see a scenario where a doctor would say, you need surgery, and they're like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and then they're like, well, we can set you up with a physical therapist, and we go there twice a week. They're going to give you exercises to work on your knee, and the person's just like, I don't want to do that either. And then the doctor just is like rubbing, the doctor's rubbing their forehead or like pinching their nose because they're about to get a headache, and they're like, all right, fine, recreational therapy it is. And then the person's like, yeah, that's what I want to do. Could you see that situation playing out? I mean, probably, like, hopefully in the future, yeah. It's kind of nice, though, because a lot of times, like, when you go to, like, physical therapy or occupational therapy, sometimes it can be, like, really repetitive and boring and hard work. And, you know, that's why people don't like it. It's why none of us like going to those types of things. But it's kind of nice in therapeutic recreation. It can be disguised as more fun. 
you know, kind of like when you go to Zumba, it's not you don't quite realize as much that you're working out because there's all the music and the dancing and all that. Have you kind done of, Zumba classes? I have. Like a lot? I did it in college. Don't really do it now, obviously. <laughs> but it's like the same thing. Like I could be working with someone on the same skills that they're occupied, say, you know, they're working in occupational therapy with like some other behavioral therapist on taking turns. It's not fun standing in line or sitting in a circle waiting your turn to talk or go to the go to the counter or whatever, you know? But say you're sitting with three friends playing Uno or Sorry or something or a game you really like, you don't realize that you're working on that skill of taking turns. It might just be you and one other person at first and you work it up and they're working on the skill and don't realize it. So that might that's let's develop the developmental side of things because I feel like that's how you teach toddlers. Like that's a preschool thing. Like that's how you teach them. It works on us too. That's how you teach them how to how to do things in the world. Like you, yeah. building blocks literally teaches you how physics works and you're just like a three-year-old learning physics but you don't know it because you're just playing with building blocks yeah so another thing so the the way the world is now the currents like where we are now we're going through this huge uh mental health crisis probably the biggest mental health crisis we'll ever experience mm-hmm. so if I don't want to go lay down on a couch and talk to a psychologist, I can't just go knock on your door and say, give me recreational therapy. No. So what if, so if I'm someone who doesn't like talking about my problems and I don't want to go sit in a chair or lay on a couch and talk to a stranger and pay them an outrageous amount of money once a week, can I... So same thing, can I go look for recreational therapy services to help my depression or whatever I'm going through? Would you even suggest that? I mean, yeah, that could work. I mean, I know people who have worked in prisons and working through things there, worked in eating disorder programs, worked through things there, so like you could work somewhere where people are dealing with depression and stuff like that like we're not trained we can't diagnose people we can't say this is what they have this is what they need to work on but you know you you have to get referred to us like you would get referred to any other therapy and you know depending what type of like place a ctrs is working in I don't get people referred to me because I'm an activity director. But I know that what the people that I serve, what they need to work on because I have all their case files and stuff. So, but, so say you were diagnosed with depression, whether your therapist or psychiatrist, whoever diagnosed you, referred you, say they referred you to us, we would know what you were dealing with and what your goals were with, let's just say, you worked with a psychologist and you developed some goals. You were referred to us. We would know what those goals were. And then we, like, say you were having problems getting motivated to even do things anymore. Your goal was to be able to get up in the morning and complete, like, at least one task a day. So you Brush might come, my teeth. 
something you you didn't be going to like complete one task that you enjoy doing. If that your favorite thing in the world is brushing your teeth, then yes, we'd work with you to develop a goal to do that or whatever. But what more happened, we were like, because we will assess, we'll do assessments too and write treatment plans and stuff. So we'd probably offer some like leisure assessment. If you didn't know what you were interested in or what you wanted to do, we'd have like, we'd do some leisure education with you. Be like, hey, here are things available. What types of things are you interested in? And from there, we'd work, you know, find maybe just one thing that you'd be interested in doing and work with you on a plan on how to get you either back to doing that thing that you used to do or exploring this new thing that you wanted to try out. It'd be kind of like on, um, what's the movie? What about Bob? You know, they talk about baby steps. It'd be like that, you know. First step, we get up in the morning, every morning, and, I don't know, get the, say you were really interested in painting, but just through the depression or whatever, you just couldn't do it anymore. Say you, we get up in the morning, and we would gather all our supplies and make sure we had everything we needed. And then, you know, that might, if a person's really depressed, like, that's just going to wipe them out, but they know they have their supplies. You know, then they'll be like, by this date, we'll have an idea of what we want to paint. And so, you know, every day we're getting up, we're getting those supplies, we have our idea we want to paint. You know, the third step we'll work on, you know, by this date, we will start, we'll start our painting and we'll work on it, you know, X amount of minutes per day. And we might, you know, increase that until, you know, the person works through this process. Not that it becomes a habit, but, you know, they do get into the habit of doing it and they find that enjoyment again. And then, so yeah. So the place you work out, uh, I'm sorry, the place you work at, the your your clients actually live there? Yes, so I work at a residential facility, but we, like, you know, at home, we don't just get up in the morning, sit there, go to lunch, sit there, eat dinner, go to bed. You know, we do stuff during the day, but the people I work with, you know, especially with COVID now, can't always go places, you know, can't see their family all the time, can't see their friends. Some of them just aren't able to have jobs, so they need things to do during the day. So I provide different activities, opportunities, outings when there's not COVID. Give them things to do. So I, obviously everyone's having a difficult time with COVID, but I feel like you, your job probably gets a lot harder because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So they've been, our building has been on lockdown for over a year. So the only thing really that um, the residents where I work at have been able to leave the building for is like medical appointments or if their family is willing to come and get them and have them stay with them for a while. But not all families are equipped to do that. It's like, you know, I work with a lot, like I said, with physical and developmental disabilities. And if we're working with someone older, their parents are older. They can't take care of them. You know, it's just too hard for them. So they've been kind of stuck there. I'm the only person in my department. And if you know enough about, like, 
assisted living facilities. It's hard keeping fully staffed with, like, aides and everyone else that works there. So, yeah, we've all been struggling with this mental health crisis, but, you know, a lot of them are really down. So trying to find, and then we can't have volunteers either, so it's even less help to run things and support the residents. So trying to, like, keep up the things they enjoy doing, but we've been stuck inside for over a year now. I mean, they can go outside, obviously, but stuck on the property for over a year now. So trying to find, like, new things to keep it interesting and fun and exciting things that can replace the things that they love that they can't do. You know, like, we couldn't go to the fair this year because, like, one, COVID, it was shut down, and two, we couldn't go anywhere. So, like, you know, that whole week, we had a fair week. Every day was a different theme. We worked with um, the therapy department. We worked with kitchen. Um, administration came down and helped. So every day we'd have a big special activity whether it was, like, fair games. One day we had snow cones. Um, you know, the kitchen did their best. They, you know, like a cookout. Tried to do different themed foods there. It was just different things every day we tried to do. You know, we do themed bingo. There was one afternoon where we just bought a bunch of whipped cream and pie tins, and they just threw them <laughs> all at me. At you? Yeah, it was just me. No one else would do it. It, it was... I had whipped cream coming out my ears. Well, now that you brought that up, what other, what other outrageous things have you done for your clients to entertain them? At my expense, many things. Um, <laughs> let's see, I've worked every holiday this year just because, you know, they can't go anywhere and I couldn't really travel just because, you know, my parents work in high-risk jobs, so it wasn't the best idea to go. So I'm like, you know, I'll come work the holidays, make it a little better for them. So Christmas Day, I was there. And in the morning, we had a bunch of, like, presents that we handed out that were donated. Um, we played a bunch of, like, minute-to-win-it games. But then the last one, we just gave them a bunch of, like, tape and wrapping paper and tinsel and stuff. And then the aides, a couple of the aides came out and helped. And they just thought it was really funny to, like, wrap me up. And that's just a bunch of paper taped up and wrapped around me and tinsel and bows stuck all over the place and then they timed me to see how fast I could get back out of it did you do well yes it was very cheap paper and they were not very good at taping or even like they really love special olympics they can't do that this year so I was out there all summer doing bocce and track the worst was the softball toss, especially when we had to do it inside because they thought it was all fun to, like, see if they could throw it all the way down to hit me. Or they'd never mow our grass short enough, so we'd do bocce ball outside, obviously. And, I, like, the little ball is called the polina or something, but we could never find it in the grass. So it became the rule if we found it, like, my shoe had to go there. So we were doing bocce, <laughs> I was playing bocce with one shoe on. Many things. So someone at your work, I won't name names, told me uh, you played the accordion for them one time. Hmm. I, you play the accordion? Not well. But you do play the accordion, and mm -hmm. that story is true. It is true. So true to the fact that uh, one of our, I forget what her title is, she works in the development department, 
She runs a like children's theater program down in Marengo. She comes like, Cindy, you got to come to the barn to me. And so I show up on Oktoberfest night, like full on, like I have a corset, like shirt, like the whatever the skirt's called. My, they have my hair braided back and everything. You were ready to do the chicken dance. Did you do the chicken dance? We did dance? the chicken dance. We did many things, many songs and a sing along. And you led the charge. I did. I did lead the charge. That's honestly, and I was like safety pinned into it, and it's bad. They kind of laugh because they're like, okay, there's a big event coming up. What outfit is Sydney going to be safety pinned into this time? So. Why'd they have to safety pin you into it? They just never fit right. Sometimes they're just too big. <laughs> oh, see, prom. Tim Tebow has his prom every year, you know, and we take residents to it usually, but this year we couldn't, so we did it in-house, which normally we take 10 to 12 residents because that's how many we could fit on the vehicles. But this year, you know, it's like 20, 30 residents that want to do it. So we're trying to get them all dressed, find them all outfits. We just have a bunch of dresses in the back, like prom dresses, bridesmaid dresses that have been donated. And so <laughs> sometimes rather than pulling them all, here, try this one, try this one, try this one. There's a couple of aides and I, we would just try them on and walk around the building for a couple of hours and be like, do you like this? Anyone like this one? So it was like, like Michael, someone else, and I just walking around in all these awful dresses. It was great. So you have residents that live there. I guess my next question on that is like, so how much are they paying to live there per month? I don't deal with the finances, so I don't know. So you have, so I guess we're going to pre-COVID and post-COVID. Um, are you, so you have buses, I would assume. You bus people around. Mm -hmm. um, so do you, like, on a daily basis, just take them to certain places, to the beach? Like, are there, like, are you constantly bussing them around or no? It kind of depends. Um. Unfortunately, like a plate like where I work, I don't have the staffing and we don't have the vehicles to be doing outings every day. But once or twice a week, pre post COVID, um, we do the best we can. Like we're fortunate that we have the vehicles to be able to do that. I know some people like in my field where they work, they may not have that. And so it's a lot harder to do the community integration but that's like a really big piece so we're really lucky to have it sometimes like because it is such a big piece of like therapeutic recreation is like they'll have to like work with a local bus system like where I worked in Green Bay we had to work with um MV or one of those companies and like you know rent the bus have the driver come and pick us up drop us off and all that so I can kind of work on my own schedule, which is nice. But yeah, so we do a community integration is a big part of it, especially because it's a like even saying with us one thing to work on something and practice skills like in a controlled environment. But then going out into the community where there's a whole lot more, you know, distractions, different things come up that you're not expecting. And so it's good to way to put skills into practice. So let's go back a ways. 
when did you decide you wanted to do this for a living? Um, well, I, I knew the population that I wanted to work with. I just didn't know in what capacity I could do that. So in high school, yeah, high school, I volunteered with a couple things at school, like working with the special ed program, you know, learned about Best Buddies, which is, if you don't know what that is, like, you have a student with a disability, they're paired with a student who doesn't, and they just do things together. And so, like, I enjoyed those experiences and knew that's the population I wanted to work with, but I didn't know how to do that. So I started, like, pre-med psych because that seemed like a logical route to me. No one in my family did this type of thing, so I didn't know. So that's just how I started. And then I kind of got into, like, this is not what I wanted to do. And so I talked to one of the career counselor people there. And she really tried to push me into social work. So this work. is at, <clears throat> I'm sorry, so this is at Iowa? Yeah, it's at University of Iowa. And <laughs> so, like, she was really trying to push me into social work. I like, I don't want to do that. And so it came up, like, with a bunch of, like, other suggestions. And I kind of, like, read through them. Recreational therapy was on the list. I read what it was about. I was like, I could picture myself doing this because I don't like sitting down all day at a desk seems boring to me some people can do it I can't and just you get to do fun things during the day I mean there's hard work too and you know paperwork like every other job but you get to do things and you get to like help people and they enjoy what you're doing with them so it just kind of drew me in so do you know how long recreational therapy has been around I should know that. I did know at one point. But it is fairly new though, right? Yeah, compared to everything else, it's really a young field. So how much, so just a bachelor's degree and that's it? That's all you had to do? Um, they're kind of changing it. I was kind of the end of the era where you only needed your bachelor's degree and then they really prefer you have your certification. But now they've um, started developing a lot more of like master level programs. And it's probably going to change into like a lot of other fields where you really should have your master's before they hire you on for some of the better positions. So you would be grandfathered into that or you're going to get your master's at some point so you don't have to worry about that anyways. I should be grandfathered in, so... Do you have plans of getting your master's? Mm, not right now. I mean, it never hurts to get extra education, but I think... It hurts the wallet. It, yeah, it hurts the wallet, but not much else. I think right now I'm just at a point where I'd rather get like a more field experience. Maybe someday go back for that, but not right now. I don't need it in my current position. So did you get the certifications concurrently with your <clears throat> I'm sorry, with your college education or did you graduate college and then get the certifications? Well, you have to be graduated to get it cuz you have to have your degree to get the certification, but I got them like within a week. No, within a month of each other. Um some people wait a little bit, you know, just to give more time to study. Some people do it right away just so everything's fresh in their mind. So it's just a written test? Mm-hmm. It's like 
Yeah, any other tests? Go and answer a bunch of bubble questions, true, false, couple S's. So obviously you work with, you you're in a, you have an employer, you get a paycheck from someone else. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about getting your own little private practice? Um, sometimes, yeah. Unfortunately, like, like I said, it's a small field and not a lot of people even know about it. So there aren't a lot of specific recreational therapist jobs. Like I said, I worked... I'm an activity director. It wasn't required for my job. It helped, but it wasn't required. So you'll see a lot of things like that. People working as activity directors, people working in a day program, people working at a camp as a camp director, just all these different types of things. But then some people do go on and start their own therapeutic recreation programs and offer those services. Um, I'm not entirely sure like how they do it or like how it's built or run, but I know of a couple programs that do that. Like there's one I interviewed for at Indiana where he started it on his own and developed into this big huge program. So is that something you aspire to do or are you just are you just good with the the nine to five life just working, just have someone else deal with the headache? I think it would be cool someday to do that. I don't know enough about the business side of things, so that would be what holds me back. I mean, I mean, you already know I don't work a typical nine to five. I have weird hours sometimes too. Well, already, I said so. I said like the nine to five <laughs> life, meaning like you, you don't really the nine to five life is you don't take your work home with you, and I know you do that too. But most people in my field <laughs> take it home with them, whether they want to or not. What I mean by that is like. A nine to five worker is someone who shows up, does their work, and then they go home, whether that's literally nine to five or if it's eight hour days, twelve hour days. Like you don't have to deal with the headache of keeping the lights on, dealing with the overhead, you know, worrying about employees and stuff like that. That's what I mean by nine to five life. Yeah, we don't have to do that. Most of us. But at the same time, I still don't know if I qualify it as a 9 to 5 type job because a lot of times when you're in this field, I mean, people who are in this field know you're not in it for the money. And if you're thinking about going to the field, don't go into it for the money because you'll be very disappointed. (laughs) But you go in for the people that you work with, for your clients, for your residents for whatever population you're working with so you do get invested in it in like it's pretty like 99% of the people I know and talk to that are in this field they do take it home with them like you're always thinking you're stopping at the store for something you're working on something at home like some project for work you'll be sitting there thinking oh what about this and you'll like take an hour or two like look it up and plan it out you know so on like a daily basis, are you like saying under your breath or like in your head like fuck I don't get paid enough for this shit? Not when I'm working with residents and working, you know, on the programming itself, no. I don't think that at all because I enjoy it. It's all the other obligations that we all deal with at our job. 
whether it's dealing with like the politics where you work or like weird, small, annoying logistical things where we all think I don't get paid enough to deal with this. Like everyone has that their job. But my job, job that I focus on, the main part of it, no, not really. So you're a one woman department. Are you ever going to get help or are they just like you're on your own? I have volunteers. And at, you know, because you have to get certified, we do have interns. So I've been certified long enough and been at my position long enough. I can take an, an intern, which I'm doing in the fall, which is also good because then it promotes the field. It's a win for everybody, really. So if I wanted to volunteer for you, I could? Mm-hmm. Just anyone can volunteer for you? Mm, not anyone. They, everyone does have to fill out an application, and we run a background check and go off of that. But I mean, anyone can apply. doesn't mean you'll get accepted. So what's... Well, I know the purpose of the background check, but like, what would flag someone that you wouldn't let them volunteer for you? It could be several different things. It's just because we do work with a very vulnerable population. Um, like there's many different ways that that can be explained, but it is a vulnerable population and it's our job not only to make sure you know that we're providing the best services, the best life we can for them, help them thrive as much as possible, but also that we are providing the safest, most secure environment for them to live in, like we'd want to do for anybody. You know, you'd want that for your, you know, if you have siblings, your parents, your grandparents, your friends, like, you know, you want that good life for them. And so we're working with these people and we're like, we don't want to introduce them to any unnecessary harm or danger. So so something that I kind of wanted to talk about when you're talking about college, I just never got the chance to ask you. So you were you in college for eight semesters or so eight semesters, yeah, eight exa- semesters. exactly four years. Mm-hmm. So how so you graduated college in May then like mm-hmm. and then so it's May you're done. You got your degree. How long did it take you to get your first job? So within like. My last, depending how your schooling works out, my last semester was my internship. That's how you finish before you graduate. Some people go on for a ninth semester to do that internship. So I was at my internship, and I was applying for jobs and interviewing for jobs. Like, they knew, I'm graduating in May. I can sit for my certification test. Um, I think only, I think two, like, I think I applied for three jobs. Two out of the three required that I have the certification. One didn't. I was pretty sure I was going to get my certification. I mean, hoping. The school I went to, they had a good track record of, like, a high percentage of people passing on their first time. And so I had interviewed for several jobs, um, two of them. I was, like, in the final rounds of interviewing for. And then, like, a month after I graduated, I sat for my certification test. And then I was leaving it, like, really shaky, but they give you your results, like, right away. So I was like, at least I think that's what happened. It was a while ago, four years ago. It was, four like, years really ago shaky. wasn't a while ago. Well, COVID was one of those years, so that's, like, six years. So really, it was, like, nine, ten years ago. Um, All right, sorry for interrupting. 
So I was leaving, and then as I was leaving the testing site, I had a message on my phone. It was one of the jobs I'd applied for saying, hey, call us back. And I called them back right away, and they offered me the job. So I got really lucky. One of the lucky ones. Mm -hmm. So where was that job? I moved out to Grafton, North Dakota. I worked at the state facility there. I was one of the activity therapists, so I was one of the managers for the day program. So you went from Iowa to North Dakota. What was that lifestyle change like? The lifestyle change, not so much. But Grafton was a very dinky town. <laughs> and so it was more like going from an average-sized town to a really small town where you could walk across it in like 10 minutes. There was not much to do there. Not many people my age. And sugar beet farms everywhere. There's so many sugar beets all over the road. So you're young. You just graduated college. You're like 22 years old. So what did you're just a single 22-year-old lady living in this small little itty-bitty town. What did you do? Mm, well, learning my job and how to use my degree in it did take up a fair amount of time and then just with the position I had I did work extra hours and stuff like that so it was a pretty intensive job and so like coming home I'd just be like wiped out from it and like watch tv or I'd go for a walk and it's just how I kept myself sane so how long were you in North Dakota a year and then we oh sorry what's that like we worked a lot with like a lot of emotional and behavioral health issues. And that's when I found out like that specific part of the field wasn't for me. So I was only there a year, but it was good to like learn different things and different skills. I don't regret it. So you uh so you're nearing your end in North Dakota at that facility. Where did you go from there? Then I went and worked at a day program in Green Bay. I worked at CP. So I worked at the adult day program. So we worked with adults with developmental and physical disabilities. And so they come in the morning, you know, we get everybody else situation, situated and ready. And we'd run, you'd be in charge of running some sort of class or group. And then, you know, the whole thing again, lunch, all those transition times and there'd be an afternoon activity or group type thing. And, you know, we'd help them, help them get ready to go home. And so I really enjoyed that job. And it was a really good way to use my degree because we were all, they all had goals they were working on. They might have a goal in every class, but you'd have several people working on goals. And you'd develop a class activity or something. Like, say, was, I taught a science class or co-taught a science class on Tuesday mornings. So we would look at the goals. Some of them you know, had switch goals to communicate with people, um, a reading goal, uh, manipulating like an object, fine motor skills type goal. So we would plan activities where they could all work on these things. Say we were doing bottle rockets. We'd have someone reading the instructions. And we might program this other person switch to say, like, you know, blast off or something. And we'd cue them to hit that when it was time to do that part of the experiment. We'd have other people, like, we might assist them hand over hand to help put the pieces together or something. 
So it was just all different types of classes, and we would help them work on these goals while also providing them with stuff during the day to do that they enjoyed, that, you know, brought more fulfillment or skills, things they might need to use out in the community. Yeah. All right. So you, how long were you there? I was there a year and a half. So what made you want to leave there? Mm, I mean, like I said, I really enjoyed it and I really missed it a lot. But it, I wasn't making enough where I could support myself doing that job. You just said like 15, 20 minutes ago, it's not about the money. I mean, it's not about making a huge bunch of money, but you still need enough money to be able to support yourself and take care of yourself. I know I'm not going to become a mega millionaire off of this, off of this field. I'm never going to own three houses and a yacht somewhere, but you still have to be able to take care of yourself. So, unfortunately. And so you left Green Bay and that's, and then, so you went to where you're currently now or did you go to somewhere else before then? No. Where I am now. Do you have any plans of leaving there? Are you going to keep on looking or what? I'm not entirely sure yet. Do you see yourself just constantly bouncing around every year or two? Or are you going to find somewhere and just actually settle? I'll find somewhere. But you're not sure if here is that somewhere yet? No. Because you have to find a job where like, Especially in a field like this where you're working with people, you need to support them and you're working to help them grow, reach whatever skills you can. You have to be at a job where you're not going to burn out because you need to be there for them. You can't be like a common thing, especially in like human services, you leave it at the door, you know. I mean, that's all jobs, but especially when you're supporting people, you leave it at the door. Your home life is your home life. Your work life is your work life. You have to have a job where you're able to do that. So you need to be working with the right population in the right environment so that you can do that for X amount of years, you know. I wouldn't have been able to do that in North Dakota. It wasn't a good fit. Green Bay, I loved it, but I was having to, like, juggle different jobs, and it was too much for me at that time, so... So whether it be clients or coworkers, people you've met along the way at previous locations, do you still keep in touch with them? Yeah. Do you still keep those connections live and going? Mm-hmm. Like I still hang out like every once in a while with past coworkers or like we'll talk on the phone or message or something. And then actually um, one of the things I do with the residents where I work at now, we're working on making different community connections because one, it's, good to do that you know get out of the community learn more um get to meet more people but also a big thing that we work that's important is like advocating and things like that so like it's important for them to be able to self-advocate too and especially it's a place like this it's such a small area and if you've been a lifer here forever like they don't realize hey there's a bunch of other people like us you know, not that they're different, but, you know, there's other people in wheelchairs out there. There's other people with CP. There's other people that can't walk, things like that. And so 
one, that's like a big realization for them. They get to make these new friends and then they can like learn from other people and bounce ideas off of each other and develop like those like self-advocating skills, um, learn how to seek out new opportunities, no opportunities they can seek out. So that's been kind of a blessing having being able to make those connections. So I have them do activities with the people I worked with in Green Bay. You know, now that Zoom has become such a big thing, we can do that. So I can still see the clients I used to work with while working with my clients here and like they get to meet each other and like my residents are really excited whenever we get to do this technology it's great when it works so on a serious note how do you get your field to grow what are do you have any ideas mm. well when you're higher you know Especially if it's not for a like a specific CTRS position, um, you you know let them know, hey, this is a certification I have. This is what I can do with it. Here's how I can you know better the services we provide here. Here's how I can expand things. And so it's a lot of educating people about what you can do. The what your field can do and the different opportunities it provides. Um, definitely bringing on things like interns helps too, you know, because like, hey, you know, it develops connections with the school program so then the school programs can do more things. And just kind of, it's just constantly just putting yourself out there. Hey, we can do this. Hey, we should start this type of programming. Hey, we should provide these services. And like sometimes you just like have I've known a couple of people that have just gone to a place be like hey add this position I can do this for you and it's worked for some of them <laughs> they just made their own jobs so it obviously takes a certain type of person to do what you do do you think at a young age like high school age we can start identifying those people and start putting them on a path to do this um, I think you could definitely identify people that would um, be good in this, like some sort of field like this. Like, I know in school, a lot of the times I got paired up as like that buddy who could help someone through class or through recess or something. It's a lot of times I've noticed just from talking to people, it's like people that needed to help other people when they were younger, people that like supporting people. Um, it's either, you know, there's people who are either really social, do really well in this field, or people who are, like, really quiet and observational because then they know how to support the people that they're working with. You know, they just pick up on things. So I've seen a lot of both those things in the field. But it's really just people who, like, love people and who help love helping other people a lot of the times like so many of the people I talked to like yeah you know volunteer in the nursing home a lot when I was growing up volunteered through best buddies a lot growing up so you see like a lot of these things they did growing up kind of just leading into it so what is your pitch so you want people you want this field to grow so what is your pitch to like a 14 year old 
to make them aware that this could be a career path for them. Well, if you really like a job where you're helping people and you want to help them grow, you want to help them succeed, and if that's something, you know, something that makes you happy, and if that's something that's going to, like, fulfill your day, knowing, you know, going to bed at night knowing, I helped make someone's day better today, then, you know, this is a good job for you, especially if one, you know, you like being active, you like doing things, you like having fun during the day. This is one of those few jobs where you can, like, have fun all day because you're providing these great opportunities for people and you're there to support them. And so you get to do this right along with them. But at the end of the day, you know, you know, it was fun, but I was able to watch this person grow. I was watch, able to watch this person smile, this person laugh, this per- person enjoy themselves doing this. Well, I learned a lot today. Oh, good. I learned a lot about you and a lot about uh, recreational therapy or what it would be to or what it would take to be uh in that field is there anything you'd like to add it is a really fun field and it can be a lot of hard work and it can be draining but it's definitely worth it and would probably be beneficial if like more it was more accepted but you know working with this pop more like disabled or older population in general is a struggle but then working in this field with that population so insurance companies need to listen to this podcast and start insuring or just give me a call and we can talk more in depth what else what well if they're going to talk more in depth what else do we need to talk about because we're supposed to be in depth on this podcast there's so much more you can go in depth on though like like um how therapeutic recreation can dive deeper into some things than the other therapies can because, you know, they might trust you more because you're not, you know, big and scary. You know, you're not coming in with your clipboard and white coat or we got to work on this, this, and this. You're coming like, hey, what do you like doing? What do you want to do today? You know, like they're more, you're more relatable to you. But then also, then you get into the whole, like, I kind of hit on, like, the advocacy type of thing, not only for our field, but for the people we work with is a whole other ball game. Not only like trying to get, like you said, maybe insurance to cover services with us, Medicaid, Medicare, those types of things, but also just if you've ever worked with people with like disabilities or people who are elderly, like those two in big ways, you know, often neglected by society, or not understood by society, they don't want to, they don't want to deal with them, they don't want to have to try and figure that stuff out, you know, and so you're working with that on them, and at the same time trying to do your job, so it just, so many hoops to jump through, I could, that's like a whole other thing to talk about. We got time. Going like the whole disability rights talk to <laughs> I think that's a different topic. Yeah, we're coming up on the end here. So I'd like to thank you for coming in. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, my pleasure. Anything you want to plug? Is there like a website that uh, people can visit or videos people can watch? Um, If you just want to learn more about 
um, therapeutic recreation. There's um, the American Therapeutic Recreation Association, or ATRA, you know, first letters. They have a website. I think it's just like atra.org. That tells you about um, therapeutic recreation and all types of things related to that. And they have a bunch of, you know, publications and stuff like that. Otherwise, you know, also if you want to learn more about becoming a CTRS and what that would take specifically, um, there's the nctrc.org, and they talk about all that because they're the people that do that stuff. So, yeah. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Have a good one. That was a lot of fun. And I mean it. I'm so glad I started this podcast because it's so much fun to learn about people and things through this form. Before I leave you though, the website that Sydney just referred to for the American Therapeutic Recreation Association is actually atra-online.com. Atra.org is something completely different. So once again, that's A-T-R-A hyphen online.com so feel free to go there for more information well until next time this has been the great discussion with cody crack see ya